Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast, episode 64. Today, we have Scott Villeneuve on, and he is from Limited Slip Blog, and uh, he's got... He's been an owner of quite a few BMWs, and you've probably, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard him on before because this is his third time on. Um, and so we're going to talk about some fun stuff, some of the cool cars he has. Um, he just bought uh, a couple of interesting used cars. We're going to talk about the used car market and maybe some EVs. So, uh, hi, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks. Uh, always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, third time's the charm, so hopefully this is the best yeah. one of the three. I, I w- I'm going to kick it off because I want to ask about both because it's um you know kind of related to this and also because i want to know about it uh your e92 m3 you recently semi-recently bought one and uh explain to me the car and why you bought it so my father has one and he bought his new in it's a 2013 he got it in august of 2012 so we're coming up on its 10-year anniversary uh this year So we'll probably do something a little special for that because that'll be kind of cool. Right. Um, And he did an individual order and, you know, it's a fairly rare car and his is probably the lowest mileage in that color in the country. Um, Really? Yeah. It's a special color, right? What color? Yeah, it's uh, Dakar yellow. Yeah. So um, he's, and I mean, he loves it and, you know, everybody has their own thing for, you know, what they remember growing up and. He got that right as I kind of started in the car business, getting out of college. And, you know, I graduated in June of 2012 from college, and that showed up in August. And I was a car salesman at uh, the local Audi dealership at that point. And I remember when that car showed up, uh, the my sales manager was a car guy. And he's like, you know what, go over there, check it out, see what you think. And see how they do all their delivery processes and stuff, you know, <laughs> learning from the enemy. Um, right, right. And, uh, yeah, no, so that was super special, and we've always enjoyed it. And, you know, I I turned 30 in 2020, so uh, I kind of, I was always looking at them and decided that I was going to go to EAG and talk to Evan and said, right. you know, hey, Evan, you know, what do we got? And. He emailed me one night because I started talking to him in October and right around Thanksgiving, he shoots me an email and he says, hey, you know, I got this frozen white uh, 2013 final edition, if you want. And uh, it only had a little over 11,000 miles on it. I said, yeah, that that sounds pretty good. And I'm a huge fan of frozen paint. I had a I had a uh, F80 in frozen silver, so. Um, oh right yeah i remember that yeah yeah. and then uh this one i said you know let's let's do it and threw some dining upgrades on it and some m performance exhaust and it's a ton of fun it it, does it sound great with the m performance exhaust because that that sounds amazing stock yeah so we uh it's really quiet stock really quiet so it makes absolutely no noise all it is, is is the induction that you hear inside and so the Which M performance exhaust is the <laughs> titanium unit and you know, oh, it's titanium. Okay. yeah, it's a little bit less weight and adds, you know, what do they say? Five horsepower or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. It's it just, it's really for a sound. Right. Yeah. So we did the, we did the dine in, uh, software, um, 
and we did the dine-in air box. So it's got the carbon fiber intake tube and everything like that. So it sounds right. really good. I was going to say, does that make it sound like just so It much sounds, better? it's because uh, I drove my father's and, and mine, and it sounds completely different. It's way louder. Really? Yeah. And even with the little bit of tune, because, you know, just the throttle mapping, and you get a little right. extra it, horsepower it, it, with the intake yeah, and stuff an like engine, that. Yeah, on an engine, it's not like. You do, you do notice throttle input more uh, with the tune versus the stock car. Um, and we put uh 10 mil wider rubber all the way around and it's got ps4s oh, nice. on it so that yeah. just that alone will make a big difference in how it handles oh, yeah. compared to yep. tires from 2013 yeah yeah i mean my dad's when because they're both dcts um you know when you're in the most aggressive setting the secret setting um you know you get the extra shift point and it mm -hmm. it would chirp the tires you know between first second and third on his car oh, really up it, that high yeah it doesn't on mine anymore because you know it's got the sharp shift and that would always chirp the tires a little bit upset the back end but not anymore right. with the wider rubber and new tire tech that's come out since so yeah yeah i mean 2013 doesn't seem at least to to us doesn't seem like that long ago at least yeah. to me it doesn't seem like that long ago but it, it's you know it's yeah. almost 10 years ago so it, it's, it's it a long sure time. is and yeah. entire technology has come a long way since then i mean yeah the ps4s are amazing um, just real quick before, uh, we go any further, just so people don't, if, if anyone doesn't know, EAG is where he, uh, you right. bought it and EAG is like the best place to go in the States for, yeah. uh, any sort of used BMW. They, you know, they are the best. They yeah. may, every car comes from there is like museum quality. It's mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, we, we've worked with them a little bit in the past and, uh, you know, Evan's a good guy Yeah. and, um, you know, so it, it uh, and unfortunately, Eric, uh, you know, passed yep. a little while ago. Yeah. Um, he he was a really nice guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, EAG is the best. So it's it's awesome that you got a car from them. Yeah. And uh, they want they want to buy what dad's was... car. It's not for sale. <laughs> yeah, they they like that. They like to buy. Yeah, yeah that's about the yeah. customers' cars. Yeah. And then um, uh, also the uh, Matt Farrow just got his E46 from them. So. Yeah, yeah, he did the video on that. And yeah. His is literally it looks like it came out of a museum. Oh, like for it's, sure. It's perfect. Yeah, for it's sure. perfect. Um, so what was it like buying from them? Is it like, is the car, is it all topped up to be, you know, they're oh, yeah. supposed to be the best? Yeah. It, I mean, the, the amount of pictures and things like that, I have a whole media file on through my email and on my phone, you know, with you name it, undercarriage photos, literally everything. And they, uh, they did the whole work up on it. You know, it goes through, it gets reconditioned as they call it. Right. If there's anything wrong with it. You know all the services they do um and it's it's it is it's like buying a brand new car yeah it's crazy and, and it's surprising because you're in new york mm -hmm. and they're in cincinnati yeah so you know buying a car from that far away you right know, kind of sight unseen right it can yeah. be sketchy but but uh you know they're if they're that uh you know diligent with mm -hmm. getting you pictures and, and you know really yeah i mean detailed, we it's awesome we committed to the car i think it was actually uh the weekend of thanksgiving um, so right after black Friday, we're like, yep, yeah, we'll take it. We, uh, I sent him the check the next week and then the car showed up at my house on Christmas day. So you don't even coordinate delivery with them. No, they do, they do everything. Yep. That's awesome. So yeah. that's really good service, right? You just send them yeah. the check and then it shows up. You I send them the check and else. then they send, uh, they send a temp tag. I had to go get the, um, I had to do everything, you know, 
title wise and everything like that. But right, because uh, right. they don't they don't handle any of that kind of stuff. They don't do DMV paperwork. Uh, they're you're just buying the car from them. That's it. You handle everything right. else on your end. So still, I mean, that's pretty damn good service. You just oh yeah, check when the car shows up. Oh no, no nice. doubt, no doubt. That's nice. Uh, so tell me a little bit of frozen paint because some some people don't like it because it is a bit high higher maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't leave like certain you know things out. You can't get it too dirty and things like that. You gotta wash it pretty regularly. Is is the process that much more annoying to deal with, or is it kind of is that is the process like overblown? Is the uh, totally overblown. overblown? It's the easiest paint I've ever taken care of. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I had that F eighty was my winter car, so I had <laughs> I had that salt snow ice you name it never had an issue pause an f80 m3 as a winter car is pretty awesome yeah i mean it was an interesting time interesting time in my life and you know you throw the michelin (laughs) pilot alpins on it and it's good to go but uh no it was it was interesting that car this car hit it with a hose that's literally all i pretty much do with it yeah i mean i had awesome i had the front end of it you know, wrapped in the matte PPF, you know, right, just PPF, for yeah. protection. Um, yeah, you got to make sure, you know, we're yeah. and stuff. Don't damage right. the nice paint. Yeah, just in, the, just in the front end and all the leaning edges, you know, behind rear wheels and stuff like that. But, um, right, yeah. yeah, I mean, other than that, I, like, my father is a huge car detailing guy. And, I mean, he's got, yeah. that's, he lives to detail cars. Like, he, his thing is he's, He's like Larry Casilla, right? So he's he's all about the detail side of things, a little bit right, less about yeah. the driving. He's more into like the <laughs> detail and appreciating the design and how to clean a certain th- area of a car that, you know, this right angle. Wow, you know, how'd they stamp that sheet metal? You know, that kind of thing. And right, right. like I said, everybody's different. I like driving them and I don't like taking care of them. <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah, I just no, like, I'm actually yeah, with you on that. yeah. I mean, it's, it, I hate cleaning cars myself, but, uh, the matte paint makes it super easy. And I mean, I just, I just hit it with a hose and, you know, my wife and I will take 20 minutes and it's done. And, you know, our other cars with conventional paint, you know, twice as long, if not longer. That's interesting. Most people, you know, it gets a bad reputation. Oh, absolutely. Kind of pain in the ass to deal with. Yep. So it's it's cool to hear that it's easy. I never had any staining issues or anything like that. And I think I went like almost two months without cleaning my, uh, silver one in the winter and all the salt just washed right, right off no issues awesome yeah, yeah that, that's pretty cool to hear oh yeah uh, I can't recommend it highly enough and I think oh, it looks good th- myself it does it looks awesome yeah, that, yeah. so it's good to know that's not as bad as it, you know, no it's uh, been no it's made out to be um, it, it's funny I'm with you on the I, I love to drive I'm a car oh, yeah. freak yep. but when it comes to cleaning it, not only do I not have the no. effing time, I don't no. feel like it. Absolutely um, not. I, I, and I love, you know, a nice detailed clean car. Like, I'm not saying I, I like to have my car dirty. I'm just exactly. saying, like, I don't, I'm too lazy. I don't feel yeah. like it. No, I mean, I'd rather take the two hours out of my day that it would take to clean a, you know, mid-engine car with a ton of aero components and stuff like that. Then mm-hmm. I would rather go drive it than clean it for two hours. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. And especially these cars with, you know, super sticky tires, they get the stones and the wheel wells and, you know, it's just, yeah. it's more of a pain than it's worth in, in some aspects. 
Yeah. Ironically, I was actually just talking to uh, last time we spoke. I was just talking to uh, Joe Achilles about that because he doesn't really watch his cars. That I, he yeah. kind of likes when his cars get dirty because yeah. you drive them. You, yeah, dri- yeah. You, you know, they get dirty when you drive them. And that's yeah, just exactly. how it goes. You got to, you know, if you let them sit and get stay pristine. That, that's no fun. Right. But um, all right. So I want to talk to you about another car. It's not a BMW, but it's another one you, you bought. And, and there, there's a reason for that. And we'll get into it to it in a little bit but it's another one you recent more recently bought you just got it and that's okay. a audi r8 a first generation audi r8 right yes yeah that is a car i've always loved and i think even bmw like super bmw nerds even respect because it's mm-hmm. such a cool car um so tell me a little bit about that so this is actually my second one of those um you know i had the i had the 2015 competition back in 2018 19 20 right and that car it was just like the perfect blend of it's fast enough, but you can still experience it on a road rather than, you know, you don't need a track to have fun with it. Right. Like a lot of supercars these days are just too damn fast. And yeah, I mean, when you're like even our McLaren, when we had that, it's too fast for the road. You know, I mean, you met yeah, up with us when you insane. had that R8. And right. even the new R8s are fast, but that McLaren's really fast. It's, it's insane, yeah. And, and it's, it's turbocharged. It has all that yeah. torque low down. And it's I mean, like monster. the new the new 911 Turbo S's and stuff like that. What yeah. are you gonna do with yeah. that on the road? I mean, there is close needs... to teleportation as possible. Yeah, it's yeah. Like... I mean, and it's like you're only as fast as your brakes, man. You know, and, right, and that's yeah. kind of the that's kind of the point. You know, and and a lot of these cars these days yeah they have good brakes but i mean most of the time we're spent sitting in traffic you right? don't want to be on them you know yeah. all the time you don't want to be on the brakes the whole time exactly slowing down yeah no i feel like even i recently drove the or actually not that recently um it was in the summer i drove the m5 cs and that yep. is honestly i think the, the best bmw i've driven maybe so ever. I. I mean it's it's incredible yeah um but it's so it's too fast oh, so when on a public absolutely. road you don't use it like mm-hmm. even on a twisty road. I mean, yeah. in, unless you're in Los Angeles where you can go up into the mountains and you no, know, right. really into the hills and, and really push it on the crazy, awesome road or like Utah yeah. or something. If you live in a normal area, you can't use that speed no. ever. No, and I it, mean, it, I took it frustrating. I, I basically I only drove it for like an afternoon, but I took it up to like where my parents are and they're in the middle of the country. And, you know, we got all mountain roads around here and it. It's just too fast for that. I mean, it, yes, it is by far the best BMW that I've driven since the E92, I think. I think it's I think it's the best, you know, they figured it out, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so, incredible, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but I mean, it's too fast in the straight line. I mean, and then, yeah, you, could, really, and then you get to the corners and it's like, oh, I'm actually doing, you know, 95 miles mm-hmm. an hour around this corner, yeah. but... In my, in my regular, like if I'm driving my pickup truck or something like that, I'm doing like 40, you know, it's just, it's, you lose the sense of speed in it. Right. And that's the problem. And in the, like the first gen R8, yeah, they're fast. I mean, it's going to be faster than 90% of the cars you see on the road. Right. But. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it still has over 500 horsepower. Right. It's a monster. Right. But you can still rev out the v10 in like first and second gear and still not be doing you know 140 miles an hour right and i mean that's the big thing with like you know 
And we had the McLaren. I mean, I had that thing. I revved it out, and it was probably doing, by the end of second gear, like middle of third gear. I mean, you were you were at like a buck forty, which is just. I mean, it's stupid. You know, it's you don't not, need that. Okay right, road. you don't need that on a public road. And the R eight. I mean, yeah, it's you probably at like a hundred and ten. You know, it's, I mean, it's still yeah. fast, but it's not like it's not bending your mind like you know the new stuff right. or even an electric car. But right. And yeah. the nice thing about the R8 is, I mean, it's actually a pretty remarkable engine considering it revs to 80, oh, yeah. what, 8250. 85. It actually, 85, wow. It, mm-hmm. it still makes a lot of torque low down. It's actually a really impressive engine if you ever like, yeah. really dig into the, the, the mechanics of it. It's really, yeah. like the engineering of it. It's really impressive. But um, but the nice thing about it being NA, like naturally aspirated, mm-hmm. is that it does make most of its power up higher in the rev range. Right. So you get to really... Like you get to ring it out, you get yeah, exactly. to rev it up that high. Yeah. With these modern turbocharged engines, they make ninety percent of the, or hundred percent of their torque at like twenty five hundred RPM. Exactly. So yeah. by the time you hit redline, you're doing so you're going way too fast. Right. And you just yeah. You just can't. I use mean that's it. Yeah. that's the appeal of the R eight and the you know the E ninety two even. I mean the E ninety two only has what two hundred ninety five two hundred ninety seven pound feet of torque something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's low. Nothing. But who cares? And so you rev it out, and that's I mean that's an even better comparison of like cars that are really fun on the road because I mean you could rev that thing out in the first three gears and you're only doing about eighty five. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean because that's it, that's the it, legal speed limit in some states. Right. And I mean it's yeah. not it's not a really fast car, you know, and right. It's, but you know, new tires and check your brake fluid, your brake pads, stuff like that. And you can have fun on a back road in that car. Cause it's not, you're always high in the rev range. You're always listening to it. You know, that kind of thing. Right. And you yeah. know, new cars, new turbocharged cars. And that was the problem I had with the F80 is yeah, you ring it out, but it's more fun when you're in the torque band in those cars than actually, right. you know, at redline because they don't sound yeah. great. The new G80 right, yeah. doesn't sound great. It sounds better than the F80 did, but That's I mean, not it's not. Do, it's not a naturally aspirated V8 or V10, you know. No. And that's yeah. why those cars are going to be the ones that everybody's going to want eventually. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it, those cars, the F80 and the G80. As amazing, the G80 is actually really great to drive. It's a really yeah, no, car. it is. But it is. it is. You're right. It's most fun between three and five, between three right. and five thousand RPM, where yeah. it has you know that that mid torque, mid range torque punch, mm-hmm. and it, it's. I mean, the G80 is violently powerful. That thing oh, is yeah. crazy, oh. especially the X Drive one. Totally is, different kind of car. Yeah, it is like, it, it's stupid actually how fast yeah. it is. I remember driving the the I drove the M4 X Drive, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is way too fast oh, yeah. for an M4. Like it's crazy. So it, it's cool that, um, you know, it, clearly you have a type, by the way. You have uh, two uh, free-revving, yeah. high, yeah. you know, high-revving, naturally-aspirated engines yeah. uh, in, your, in your performance cars. Um, I mean, you can, look so at them, you can look at them as drivable investments, really, right. when you think right. about it. Which actually really nicely is a nice, really nice segue <laughs> to my next, my next uh, topic, which is like I want to talk about the used car market. Right. Yeah. Almost, right? Yeah. Um, the used car market right now, and you've clearly bought. So we just said we just talked about you bought two really awesome special mm-hmm. sports cars on the mm-hmm. used car market. Yep. And the used car market right now 
is bonkers, right? Yeah. Like it's just you see like Civic SIs going for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars on bring right. a trailer. Like it's just yeah. it's bananas. So can you talk to me a little bit because you know the used car market more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk to me a little bit about why you think the market's kind of going insane. Do you think it's going to last? Like, um, you know, is now a bad time to buy? Like, you know, you, you kind of have a better grasp on it than I do. So I'll just let you kind of run with that. So I got the, the M3 was before the boom. Right, um, yeah, you, said you know, that was, that was December of 2020. Right. So that was still when dealers weren't sure what the heck was going on, what 2020, right. 20, what 21 was going to look like. And right. You know, now looking back, it's a supply and demand issue, really. You know, certain cars are always going to be worth a lot of money. And I think mm-hmm. I think going forward, the specialty cars, naturally aspirated stuff, things with manual transmissions, all are going to hold or go up. You know, anything that's limited production, hard to come by. They don't make a driving experience like it anymore. That's what's going to be like the number one thing going forward. A lot of the right. new exotics, I think, are in a bit of a disadvantage. You know, you look at like a 720S, for example. Is I always right. look at McLaren values. Sorry. And <laughs> no, you look at no you look at a, about McLaren. Yeah. So you look at a 720S. You can get one now. 2018 is going anywhere from 250 to 300, depending on miles, spec, all that kind of stuff. That's not far off what they were new. Okay. Okay. Right. But once the next McLaren comes out, is it going to hold because it's the last one without electrification? Maybe, maybe not. They made a lot of them. Is it that? Drastically different from a 675 LT, which are going up in value like crazy right now because it's a numbered car. Um, right. I'm not sure, you know, and and this goes back to the to the R8. So R8s are naturally aspirated. Mm-hmm. They're dying. Well, first, well, actually, all the all are. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're they're dying soon. You know, mm-hmm. how many more years do you have of it? Maybe one. Maybe one full model. Yeah, I, I would say I would say yeah, maybe one, two at the absolute most. Right. I doubt it. And yeah, they're going to do that, you know, final edition thing, and they're going to make another GT or whatever they want to call it, and mm-hmm. charge an astronomical Lamborghini sum for it. Yeah. But after that, it's done. And I still think the first gen R8 drives better than the second one. I, yeah, I I've still, never driven a first, so I can't. Agree, I mean, but I, I don't hydraulic know. steering. You know, and right. I didn't have, uh, neither of mine have the magnetic ride because it's a problem. And I'd prefer the fixed dampers anyway. Um, but, you know, it's a bulletproof, reliable car. They don't have a lot of problems. Yeah, that you engine's can, really strong. Yeah, you can, you can drive them. I mean, other than the AC compressor and the expansion tank, which they had the recall for, nothing really that goes wrong and the magnetic shocks on the base v10 and the v8 and stuff like that but yeah i mean i don't really see anything there that's going to be like all right this is a ten thousand dollar fix other than you blowing an engine or your transmission going because you're doing something stupid but (laughs) i mean i think i think they're going to hold and you know you look at gt3 values they're going to hold 
How long are they going to make naturally aspirated Porsches? Not very. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the GT cars might be the only things that last as NA, but even then, yeah, that's I a mean, stretch. and then the GT4 RS, that's the only one that there's ever going to be. So next one's electric. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, when you think about that, good luck finding one of those. <laughs> they're they're yeah. all every dealer I talked to wanted 150 over sticker for one. So. Yeah, it's in, it's crazy. So what what is with that? Like, um, why are why are dealers going insane with, um, you know, like adjusted values and, and markups and stuff? Like, it's getting like you see Broncos going for a hundred grand because of it. It's, yeah. So, that's an interesting issue, and you know I've talked to a couple dealers and a couple GMs and things like that. That money doesn't go to the salesperson. That goes right, to the yeah. dealer principal, and just them. So it's don't share the wealth, huh? Yeah, they they don't really do that. So G the GM that I'm talking that I talked to about, you know, GT4 RS, he's selling some of them like previous customers and people he knows, they're going for MSRP. And you know, any new customers that are calling just cuz they want to get on the list, let's say. Mm-hmm. I think he's charging 25 over something like that, which is, I mean, it's bad, but it's not, you know, egregious. It's not 150. Um, and then you have the, the supply and demand issue. You know, people want these cars because they aren't going to make them for much longer, you know, and that, right. that kind of goes for Huracans too. You know, Aventadors are all gone now. Yeah, Most of them basically. just sunk. And, Do they even uh, sell that anymore, the Aventador? No, no. I, yeah, I, I from what I was reading, I think the last ones were on the uh, Felicity Ace there, and they sunk. So now they need <laughs> yeah, to that... now they need to restart production Whoops. on them. Whoops. Um, uh, but rough. then, you know, it's it, it is it's a supply and demand issue, and like I said, regular run of the mill cars, there's going to be a real problem in probably. 24 months something like that where values are going to dip of used and new cars like you're you're going to be able to walk in dealership get your rebates again you're going to be able to negotiate off msrp for your you know regular run-of-the-mill three series rather than you know going in paying ordering the car paying msrp and waiting for it to come in and paying whatever the astronomical lease rate is because they're marking up the money factor. So that's all going to come back to bite them on the back end because those cars are going to be overinflated value-wise versus like the new cars that are coming out or cars that people own outright. Everybody that's buying a used car right now, unless you actually are going to keep it for a long time, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. touch it. And new car... If it's anything over MSRP, I wouldn't touch it. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little good, good advice because it is yeah. getting crazy. Um, and what I was, actually, I had a question that just slipped my mind. Um, but I was actually going to ask, do you think it's because, do you think there's any correlation between the dealer markups and the, the new car market being crazy? Is that maybe why used car values are going up so high? People would rather buy, you know, used cars versus spending so, over MSRP on new cars? Yeah, so that's that's the way that it's working is people can't get new cars. Like if you go to a dealership around here, at least, there's not that mm-hmm. much inventory 
depending on what you're right. looking for. Yeah, that I was actually just that my wife has a Tiguan, and we went to the yeah. I went to the Volkswagen dealership for service, and I was asking yeah. about the Mark Seven GTI, and it was basically impossible to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, every every Volkswagen dealer around here has at least a twenty percent markup on the cars. or Mark Eight GTI. I'm sorry, Mark Eight yeah. GTI. Yeah, yeah, I mean all all our VW dealers have like a five grand markup on a Taos. Yeah. So yeah, they had and they had one Mark Eight GTI, and it was forty five thousand dollars with the markup. I was like, for a GTI, forty five yeah. grand? You're nuts. Yeah, that's scary. But yeah, so just play, I, just I play around with the interior. <laughs> no, they wouldn't let me in it. They wouldn't oh. let me in it. Oh yeah. But I I was in the ID four and and the Taos and the, oh, whatever yeah. the hell things called, and the the new infotainment's terrible. So these new prices, they seem to be driving the used car market up. Mm -hmm. um, but even why do you think it's happening on even like pretty normal pedestrian like sports cars like, uh, you know, like I, I used the Honda Civic Si as an example because one sold on bring a trailer for like an eye watering number. Mm -hmm. But you see even pretty normal ish cars going for, you know, 10, maybe even $20,000 more than you might expect on on admittedly i'm using auction sites you know like right trailer yeah. cars and bids and things like that like yeah. what is going on with that do you have any idea of like what why bring in trailer prices or you know like a 30 percent uh premium over normal prices that's because it's bring a trailer um, that's it is that yeah it? bring a trailer kind of operates in their own bubble and they they right. kind of are their own worst enemy for certain people you know if you actually wanted to go on there and find a reasonable deal on a car you're not bringing a trailer to any of these anymore, really. I mean, these, right. like when Bring a Trailer started, it was all kind of, you know, basket case cars. Yeah, I and remember now, back when I used to, it was like all cheap, awesome little yeah, fun cars, and now yeah. it's insane. Now it's not even close. And and cars and bids, I mean, that's where we got the R8, so I can't really say anything too bad about them. <laughs> but, uh, and I think, but, I think we have, we're thinking we're trying to schedule Doug DeMuro, so I don't want to, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Cars and yeah. Bids at all. Tell him I said hi, and it was a great buying experience. Yeah, um, he'll do, yeah. But no, it was it was actually really good because I feel their prices are more aligned with the actual used car market. Yeah, and and so I, like I would say I would agree with that just from just from looking at the site. I yeah. Would agree with that. So for example, like we our R eight was one twelve five. That that was what I bid on it. That's what we got it for. Which, nice. if you look at it and you look at comparables, it's a one-owner car. If you look on, you know, cars.com, Auto Trader, if you go on Auto Tempest and try and find whatever you want to find, right. if you look at that car, they made the plus for two years. They only made 37 in 2015. If you try and find a 2015, cheapest one in the country right now is 130 with the oh, same got a good deal. Oh. Yeah. So, I think it's a good number. I could sell it for more than what I paid for it, which is the crazy part. That's nice. I'm not going to. I'm going to keep yeah. it because um, I think it's a, I think a it's a long I think it's a long hold car. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean it's it's their prices. Like even if you look at their E92s, they were really flaunting that Lime Rock that they sold that had like thirty five thousand miles on it and it was a stick. Yeah. And they got like 96 Ford or something like that. That's bang on the money for that car. You know, it, it, and it's, you could, there's more expensive ones out there with lower miles. So E92 prices are going up like crazy. 
uh, just they because are, yeah. it's, they only made one M3 with a V8, and that's that's your right. pick. And, and they are uh, not as unreliable as everybody says they are. Yeah, as, as, long, as long as you get the rod bearings done. And um, even then, if it's a low-mile car and people didn't beat on the car before it was warmed up, they're fine. Right. Mine's that's on key, its original actually. ones. Really? Yeah. Th- that's yeah. key, by the way. Um, I remember watching, I think it was like Evolve Automotive from the UK did a video on the mm-hmm. rod bearings and just the, the, the whole the breakdown of how you know they work. Yeah. It's just that the clearances are tight, and as long as you let that oil warm up yeah. before you push on it, they should be yep. okay for a long time. I, but, um, I always make sure that temp is right in the middle of the peg before I have any fun with the car. And right. it, it takes a while. I mean, it's depending on the temperature outside, it could be 15 minutes. Yeah. But, you know, in the summer, it's five. But in right, the winter, yeah. it's, you know, 15 minutes. I don't drive right. it in the winter. When it's cold, though, you know, 40 in the morning. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that car, those rod bearings, they I believe they updated them when the LCI came out. So the post-LCI cars are a little bit better. You know, the 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13. And uh, right. as long as the car was taken care of, warmed up properly beforehand, mm-hmm. you know, there's cars out there with 120,000 miles on the original rod bearings. And yeah, it's, right. it's everybody's so afraid of them. But instead, it's how was it done? How was the car lived? Like, how has the person lived with the car that long? Right. And, you know, how was it maintained? And as long as you right. do the services and you don't, you know, you're not out there redlining the thing when it's just started up, right. I don't see anything wrong with it. That, and I think it's an overblown issue because, one, the car is worth so much money now. Back when they were like 20, 30 grand, right. uh, you know, it was a, you know you, you'd be concerned because, you know, three, mm-hmm. $4,000 repair or whatever it is, two, $3,000 repair is, yeah. is an issue. But now that they're worth so much money, yeah. I mean, if you buy it and then just as soon as you get it, it's not even total if you're it. concerned... You just even if you just do the repair right away, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. going to hold its value. It's well worth the investment and in just getting getting yeah. them repaired or right. just just having them preemptively, you know, uh, changed. Yeah, um, it's well worth it. So I think that's an overblown issue. Um, yeah, and I mean, I have a, the values are so high. I have a good local shop that I know has done them and can do them, and you know, maybe in a couple of years I'll do it, depending on how many miles we put on it. I mean, we put. 2,500 miles on the car since I got it. Nice. Which, I mean, it's, it's okay, but, I mean, we had other cars to drive. And, yeah, you have... You know, a, we you, still get the press cars and stuff like that, yeah, so yeah. there's other cars. You have other that, sports cars, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and if, if winter holds off here, my wife's birthday's coming up, so we're... I was hoping we were going to take it over to Rhode Island here in the next couple of days, but... Oh, that would be a nice road trip. Yeah. Hopefully, if we get some rain instead of salt, salting the roads would be nice but. yeah yeah so um i want to actually ask you another little question about this kind of whole market thing do you think because mm-hmm. you bought your m3 from eag mm-hmm. do you think that eag is sort of like market immune to this sort of thing because all of their cars are insanely expensive like that's yeah. just their pricing right yeah. like they no, they do. make the best of the best and they just they, we're yep. expensive and that's just how it is like that's just so i i'll be i'll be upfront with you i for my car i paid 60 Really? Yeah. That seems like a really good price for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because their qualities. I don't know. I don't know if they were giving me a deal because, you know, it's my first time buying from them or what. But, I mean, I think I think that was a 
smoking deal for that car. It, it is. I think actually. I could get I mean, way more for it now. Pro- yeah, I mean, I, I just saw, uh, not to use them because I know they're insane, but just, I just saw one on Bring a Trailer sold for like almost 70 and it was, you know, wasn't a frozen final yep. edition. You know, it was just a regular old M3. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you could definitely get get more for it now, um, especially because it's an EAG car. Just the fact that you bought it from them and you have Dynan upgrades on it. You know, I right. think that's a, a good value. Yeah. Um, so continuing on sort of, you know, it's sort of related. Um, do you think the market for used cars is going to get even crazier with the increase in electric sports cars on the on the market? Like as more new sports cars go electric, do you think the demand for cars like E92 M3s and R8s and, and you know, anything else, Caymans and all that, do you think that's going to go even higher because people are going to be pining more for those uh, sports, those internal combustion sports cars? Or do you think car enthusiasts might kind of maybe embrace electrification a little bit more than we might think? Yes, I think it's, I think it's going to keep going up. Um, for the specialty stuff. You know, like like I was saying right. earlier, anything with a manual, anything that's naturally aspirated that you can't find anymore. Um, you know, there's there's reasons that, you know, a lot of these really bespoke car companies that low volume are making manual transmission, V12 engine. You know, look what Gordon Murray's doing. And there's yeah, a reason he's well, getting $3 million a car. Yeah. I mean, it's also People, Gordon Murray, so. Right. But be people, yeah. people want that. Right. And that's why, I mean, you can look at Porsches. GT3 with a stick, brand new. If you can get one, hard, you yeah. can buy it. You, you could get in the door for anywhere under 200 grand. And you could immediately sell it for 320 to 350. That really? 320 oh, yeah. for a GT3? Yeah. People are nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's. That's the nature of the market, which is why I was amazed what we got the R8 for. Because I think, I think in three, four years, after the R8's gone, people are going to look back at the first one and be like, hey, that's when it all started. Still really reliable car. The interior is really the only thing that dates it. And, you know. I think it looks better, actually. Than the, the new one? The new Yeah. I like the old interior better. It has like more character. I, it's more real. I, I agree like with better. that in the fact that the center screen is is nice to have a center screen rather than no screen mm-hmm. for the passenger because that drives them nuts after a while. Yes, it does. But yeah. the uh, yeah, I mean the digital display is nice. But yeah, it's nice to have analog gauges too. That's good yeah, point. I like I like my analog gauges. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, the E92 gauges are probably in the top five gauges of all time. They are awesome, and it, it's it's really special because you have that, um, you know, the the tack. The, the, yeah, the you, moving red line. Yeah, how yep. it moves, you know, when as it warms up, and as it gets, as you as it warms up, you see it start to creep to eight, and you're like, oh yeah. wow, <laughs> you yeah, really yeah. remember you're in something special when you see an eight thousand yep. RPM red line. Yep. Um, but uh, all right, so that's going to segue me into electrification. So mm-hmm. that's obviously the the future of sports sure. cars. Um, yep. You know, it's it's where the industry is going. It's just that that's it. You know, it's over now. We, we know this now. Um, yeah. uh, and, and right now, BMW has two on sale, sort of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can actually buy them at dealerships yet. But um, they have the iX, which is an SUV, and mm-hmm. they have the i4 M50. Uh, I've driven neither yet, uh, but yeah, I'm going neither. to be driving the iX in a few weeks now. 
Um, but what is your take? Like, what do you think about these two new cars? Do you think they're interesting? Because they, the looks, we could talk about the looks. I know they're very interesting looking. Um, but so what do you, how do you feel about these so far, even though you haven't driven it yet? So I, I mean, I'll be upfront with you. My, my wife now has a job that requires a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been looking at electric cars just because where she goes, I want to say maybe she works for a chain of grocery stores. And the grocery stores all have electric car chargers. So if she goes to a store, more than likely it's going to have a charger. So I said, you know, might be a good opportunity to look at these. Biggest problem for me is the price of them. So we haven't hit that, you know, realm of electric cars are affordable yet like a a large electric car, right? You know, Tesla Model 3, you look at like a Hyundai Kona EV, they're small, fairly inexpensive. I mean, you're looking like under 50 somewhat. But then you get to... Kona EV starts at like 35, maybe the Kona EV. And then with options, you're in 40. Yeah, Right. But then you look at like the iX, right? And And I did build one. And I think that face looks better on the iX than it does the i4. It does actually. Yeah, I think the and iX is. I don't think it's as bad as people say. I think it's pretty. I agree with you. I I don't I don't hate it as much. Um, I still don't like the front of the G80, but I mean that's a different point. No, no I I don't think anyone does. <laughs> I no, there are. There's people that like it. Trust me. I I know some people in, in personally world, that like it. Yeah. Really, that's and. Surprising. I, I love the car, but oof, it's not good looking. Yeah. I think the iX is actually kind of good looking, and I really like how the interior looks. It's amazing. But I don't think you can get one in the U.S. for under eighty-five grand, can you? Um, it's going to depend. So the pricing of the iX actually, at least on paper, like at, uh, at the MSRP, isn't yeah. too terrible because it, it's it's comparable to the X5. It's always comparable to the X5. So okay. The X, the 50 right now, it's the only one on sale, the X-Drive 50. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about the same price as an X5 M50i, right? Okay. So it, it's about so that $80,000. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, I don't remember the exact MSRP off the top of my head, but it, mm-hmm. it's around eighty grand for, for one. And then they're going to come up with the 40 in next year or something, and that's going to be closer right. to an X5, uh, X-Drive 40i. Um, so th- it's not terrible, but... They are pretty Spartan in terms of, you know, their, their options, and you're going to have to option them up, and, you know, they get expensive. Yeah. But um, it's interesting with what BMW is doing because it's a little bit odd compared to some other brands. Like, you see uh, Audi kind of going with, you know, the entire Volkswagen group going with pure EV powertrains or mm-hmm. uh, chassis, excuse me, mm-hmm. like pure EV, you know, bespoke architectures. Mm-hmm. And BMW is not doing that. BMW is sort of, the iX is its own architecture, but they're not going to use that right, ever yeah. again, which is bizarre. Um, but the i4 is a three-series architecture. It's just a three, right. it's just a four-series Grand Coupe with, you know, um, batteries and motors yep. and stuff. Yeah, and batteries. Um, so how do you feel about them? Do you think that they're going to be successful? Do you think people are going to care? Because it's interesting. Uh, they're priced similar to their gasoline counterparts. Do you see right. an X5 customer going into a BMW dealership and being like, that iX, I, I want to... I want to try that. Do you think that any customers are going to do that? Or do you think it's going to be EV focused people only? 
I think the take rate for that will be lower than everybody expects it to be. I think the EV-specific customer will buy it. I mean, look at look at the i3 and the following that that car had, right? Yeah, it does have a bit of a cult following, I3. You know, and it, that was pro that was one of the best driving BMWs actually that you could buy for yeah, the past I like that. five was, six years. Yeah, you're right. But, it was a cool little car. Yeah. Uh, so the XDrive 50, if you just if you just go with the base, by the way, is 83 and change before destination. Yeah, something. Yeah. So, do I think you'll get people that have an X5 now that get one? Yes. Do I think that number is going to be as high as BMW wants it to be? No. Do I think those people? have an X5 but don't actually need it and now the reason they're doing this is because they want to save on fuel or maintenance or they just have a different use case than they thought they needed? Yes. I think the biggest issue that we face with electric cars is still the infrastructure. You know, you go yeah, other than Tesla, you go anywhere you got ChargePoint, you got Electrify America, you got all these different companies doing something different. Right. Sometimes you go, the chargers don't work. Sometimes you go and they, uh, you know, they'll have too many cars there. And now you got to find somewhere else. Right. And it's not like a gas station where you can wait five minutes and right. you, know, you get. Someone right. Up. You know, they're charging. And they're going to be there for probably an hour. You know? That's it's the other thing. It depends on how long or how fast they're charging. And that could be part of the problem, you know. And, and none of these companies, I think Rivian was with one of them. You know, they designed something where exclusively Rivian chargers or something like that are a certain brand. I can't remember what it is. ChargePoint or Electrify America or something. And you get free charging or whatever for two years if you get a Rivian. But regardless, unless they can speed up the time, and again, some of them are pretty good. You know, Teslas are pretty good. Uh, the Taycan's pretty good with with how quickly it charges from, you know, 20 mm -hmm. to 80% or something like that, and then you can get back it's out there. It's usually 10 to 80 is the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fast there charged. You go. It's, it's, it's when they can... It's like when yeah. the battery is able to charge at like the highest speed is that is in mm -hmm. that range. Right. So I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle is those are those people coming out of a pure gasoline electric car that don't have a home charger or aren't planning on getting one or don't have the ability to have one because they live in an apartment or something like that are they going to adopt to that new lifestyle and i think as of right now i don't think maybe in three four years yes but right mm -hmm. now i don't think so okay interesting interesting because I, I think i i would hope at least that there are some customers or a lot of customers that would go into a bmw dealership like let's say mm -hmm. x5 customer or even a three series customer and say well that you know say a three series customer that i4 is Priced similar similarly to the three series I'm right. looking at replacing mine with, mm -hmm. maybe I'll give that a shot. And right. I think they would one be pleasantly surprised with how they drive because most I mean, likely unless yeah. you unless you're getting a special engine 
EV mm -hmm. motors offer you basically the like m better performance and it's quieter, it's smoother, things like that. I mean, BMW's mm -hmm. B58 engine's amazing, but like you know, you're getting more power from an i4 M50 yeah. or whatever um, than any of the M performance cars. But so I would hope that customers would go in and say, "That's interesting. Uh, let me try that," and then mm -hmm. come away impressed and buy one. Right. Um, but like you're saying, you know, there are people who are going to say, well, how does it fit my life? And I think a lot of people are still nervous about range anxiety, despite yes. the fact that no one, literally no one drives more than, you know, 200 miles a day. Like literally like 99% yeah. of people in America don't do that. So you can right. just charge at home um, and be fine. And I, yeah, I think a lot of people are scared, but I, mm -hmm. I, at least I'm hoping, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic that people are going to do that because it would be nice to... to to see those cars sell well oh sure and do well especially just because it'd be fun to stick at the tesla but um yeah so for any brand to do well but yeah so as someone who has quite a lot of sports cars and you know in turn and even your daily cars are pretty interesting like you said you have a, a gle 63 that's AMG, her car yeah. right yeah yep. it's your wife's car which is i mean as far as daily drivers go that's pretty <laughs> incredible i mean yeah. monster 600 horsepower suv is pretty awesome mm -hmm. but um do you see yourself getting an ev as a daily driver anytime soon or are you kind of holding out i i would or anything the problem is i would want to lease one and they don't lease well and the only reason i would want to lease one is because of the like if you look at how the internal combustion engine there's no mm -hmm. change Right. You know, you look at like updates and upgrades and, and the overall change from like the late 1800s to now, there's right. not an astronomically large difference. Right. So. Right. That's it's a, it's 100, 130 years of, you know, updates. We are updating electric cars and changing batteries and technology in that aspect. At a, right exponentially higher rate so i wouldn't want to be locked into something that i'm owning for five ten years that's going to be obsolete in 18 months right it's like would that's you want my... to use an iphone 5 right now right exactly so that's my biggest hurdle with electric cars is like this ix is coming out it's going to be great right it, everybody seems to like it looks are subjective but in 18 months, are they going to come out with a different battery pack for it that's going to be more efficient in the winter, that's going to not have the range drop off that this one does? Are they going to slightly tweak the styling so it has a lower coefficient of drag, thus more range? You know, stuff like that. And that's development that's not really going to the internal combustion cars anymore that's all being focused on evs i mean you can just look at ford they just branched into two different companies essentially right yeah this past week and i think that's the biggest thing right now is why would you buy something that's literally going to be obsolete in at most two years Right. You know. Yeah, and, I think and, buying is is sketchy when it comes to EVs. You don't oh, want to really sure. own it because like right. you said they're going to be obsolete and and their values plummet, right? Because of that. And and people yeah. worry about bar battery degradation over time and right. I think people and I mean, are if you, very concerned about owning EVs. If you look at owning a a Tesla, they've basically had the same car on sale for the past decade, right? You know the Model S. Yeah. But and if the Model you look 3 at those still even pretty old. 
Right. And if you look at the early Model S's, they're not worth anything because they eventually ran out of updates you could do to that car. So I think that's kind of the issue that we're going to run into with a lot of these cars. And then then you get into the whole, oh, how do you get rid of it? And, you know, that's a whole different environmental question. But, um, yeah. you know, I... I would rather lease one for, you know, two, three years, get the new one that is now totally different and, you know, kind of just be like, all right, that was fun. Let's get this new one. Right. Where, you know, you go in and you lease a three series in three years, it's basically the same three series. You know, it's not going to be a crazy different. It might be an LCI. But even the LCI isn't going to be that big of a difference. Right. They're minor, minor changes. You're not stuck with it like uh, what feels like an antique after. A exactly. Few years. And, and the, the, the biggest thing, I, the way I look at electric cars right now is their appliances. You know, your appliances have a shelf life. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like buying a dishwasher at this point, right? Exactly. They're, they're, and it's still kind of in the early phases of like making standard cars kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, you yeah. can go out and buy pretty standard everyday cars, and they're they're, they're pretty fun to drive now. I mean, look, sure. you can get like a Hyundai Veloster N, and it's you know yeah. incredible to drive, and it's it's you know affordable. But EVs right now, if you want a decent one, you want a fun one, you're going to spend a ton of money. You know, M- yeah. I four M fifty is you know sixty five thousand dollars, and and you know with right. options it's over seventy, so it's it's yeah. expensive. Um, That's the hardest part. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. I'm I'm really curious to see how this kind of whole thing unfolds because it's we're in we're not te- really in that new of territory, but we're in territory that's new for us because you know this mm-hmm. kind of happened back you know in the late 1800s, early 1900s when cars first started coming out. People were kind of curious as to what it was going to be and, right. and what was going to happen. Um, and, and now we're kind of doing that again, but yeah. like you said, it's happening at a much faster rate. Tech is you know exploding and changing every day. Right. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see what the what the response from customers is going to be. You mm-hmm. know, are they are people going to adopt these things? Because now now they're becoming, uh, you know, they're being put out by mainstream brands. Before it was, you know, it was really Tesla or bust, right? If you want an EV, exactly. you got a Tesla, uh, and that was really it. Um, but now you have every major brand has their own EVs. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious to see in the next couple of years how this sort of unfolds. Do customers really adopt them well? Do you, right. you know, are they weary of them? You know, are they weary of them because they're not Tesla? Because everyone's so, such a household name. It's like, do you kind of shy away from that? Um, yeah. So it is interesting um, to, to see how that's going to go and play out. Personally, I kind of want an EV. Like, I kind of just want to buy one because I, I yeah. like the idea of no, uh, I, having I, one. I agree with you. But you know, uh, And we would have, but uh, where she goes, it's still like the cost the initial cost to get in is just really high. Yeah, it is. And that's what keeps you're me not away gonna, from it. Yeah. yeah, you're you know, so like she would she if she wanted something that was similar to her Mercedes, yes, it's expensive. But a Tesla is the same price. You know, right. the Tesla Model X is the same price as her Mercedes. For if you yeah. wanted like the performance one, you know, the plaid now. Right, right. And it's actually probably more money than her car. And I mean, you can go on and on about quality issues and stuff like that, and the, the yoke well, steering wheel. We don't have five hours. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that much time either. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, so that's kind of where we're at the final end of like the established order, right? And then right. the, the up and comers are coming. But Rivian just had that price increase, and now it's like they lowered it for existing orders, though. Did you see that they backed up yeah. on it? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you want one now, good yeah, luck. Yeah, it's like twelve grand more or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean now you're looking at a truck that's a lot of money, and even yeah. the Lightnings are a lot of money. You know, yeah, if you they look are. at an F one fifty Lightning, if you yeah, want one with at heated 40, seats, but if you want, yeah, if you want anything, if you want one with it. heated seats, you're you're looking at sixty five. Yeah, that's um, all, it's it's expensive. It's a nice, yeah. it's a cool truck, but it's expensive. Yeah, but you know, and then that goes back to, you know, what if you don't have a charger at home, or you can't. Uh, what if you don't have like the amperage that you need for it and stuff yeah, like that? I think that's a big problem um, because there there are a lot of people. I mean, EVs are best in the city, yeah. right? That's where they're best. But yeah. there are a lot of most people in the city don't have access to chargers. Most people live in apartment right. buildings that don't right. or condos that don't have access to charge points. Right. And that's a big problem. We were just actually I keep going back to him. We were just talking to Joe Achilles. He can't have one. So he were talking about EVs. He was our last guest. We we're talking about EVs with. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's why I'm going back to him again. But he was saying the same thing. He's like, I can't have a home chargers where I live. We, we don't have access. So I, I don't, you know, an EV right. doesn't work for me. And that's a lot yeah. of people. So, you know, it's interesting because that would be, that's the ideal situation, right? You have a home right. charger, you can plug yeah. in at home, charge it overnight. And every day you get, and you have yeah. a full battery every morning. But you know, that's not, that's probably a small subsection of customers is, or yeah. can do that. Um, I mean, I, I looked into it. If we were to get a home charger, we would need to run an entirely new line from our street all the way to the house, underground, right? into the house, and we have to pay for that, not the power company. Of course, yeah. And then you have to pay for the charger, and then the electrician to come and set it up. So, I mean, right. it's it's at minimum, just to get a wall charger for us, It's the, so the wall chargers are what, two grand, something like that? Something like two, three grand, depending on which one. And then to get. run that cable the our power company says it's at least three grand because of how yeah. far we need to go with it yeah. so i mean and you're looking a, at five grand right there right and that's another thing that i think a lot of people forget is that a lot of homes in america are not built set up for that exactly yeah, they don't have that sort that of extra amperage, amperage because yep. you know 240 is a really thick line let me tell yeah. you yeah i'm actually kind of fortunate because my house was built in the 70s and it was built for all electric appliances which i oh, don't have go. anymore so all my yeah. I don't have electric appliances anymore. So yeah. I actually have a 240 volt uh, spot in my uh, my fuse box garage. in my yeah. yeah my garage. So I could actually run um, quite easily run for an EV charger. But that is not uh, everyone. A lot of houses in right. America are not built for that. So you like you said, you have to get a line. You have to get extra amperage to your house, and it costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, so there's still so much. Um, infrastructure that needs to adapt for EVs to become exactly. a place. But I think the future is getting brighter for them because, you know, they are coming out with more interesting cars. They're just expensive, mm -hmm. you know, like e-tron GT and, and, you know, Taycan yeah. and uh, I4 M50 and cars like exactly. that are really cool. Um, but, but yeah, we'll no, I, I like them. I think they're cool. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I look at them as it's, it's an appliance. It's getting us from, home to work to run errands and stuff like that you're still going to want your fun car for the weekend you know it's not going to be i don't think they can quite replace that yet the acceleration's there the handling on some of them is there but they just to me don't have the you know emotional attachment 
You right. know, I like the sound, the the noises it makes, and the you know on particular cars, the steering and things like that. And it's just different. You're not you excited know, about he, the Hans Zimmer noises in the i4. I mean, he he did he was great in the Dark Knight trilogy, but <laughs> I mean, it's different. It's different in that. I was kind of hoping for that like Inception style, like I'm coming. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. I4, yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've heard them. It's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, but it's not what I was expecting. I was expecting something more dramatic and, yeah, and kind yeah. of terrifying. Yeah, but um, no, but I, I feel you. The, the sound is a problem, and not necessarily a problem, but it's something you miss from, especially you, because you have two of the right. greatest sounding yeah. engines of the modern era. Um, yeah. You know, they're probably both in the top five greatest sounding engines of you know this this century. Uh, uh, so top ten, yeah, yeah, they're they're up there. You know, um, yeah. they're up there for sure. So yeah, I could definitely understand missing the sound um, with EVs, but but like you said, kind of going back to what we were talking about with used cars and stuff, is that it's going to drive. I think it's going to drive cars like yours uh, further up in value because people are going to miss those things and they're going to be novel ideas. Um, yeah. You know, to own. You know, they're going to be, you know, very cool, interesting collectors' cars and collectors' mm-hmm. items in the future, and people are going to really appreciate those. So now, my, so here's an interesting question. But we'll we'll end on this because it's been an hour already. We'll end on this. Do you think it's worth buying cars right now, used sports cars, despite the fact that the market is crazy and they're worth more than they ever have been? You know, the prices are going crazy. Do you think it's still worth buying them now because EVs are going to drive their prices even higher? I think it all depends on the car. Um, okay. So, you know, if your if your budget is what it is, get a well maintained E ninety two or E ninety something like that. You can find them for you know thirty to forty grand out there still. That'd be but nice, right? if you want a perfect one like from EAG, I'm sure they're more than sixty now. So. Right. That's that's the kind of thing. But like do you see values ever going down for them again? Like do you see a dip? Like do you see this bubble bursting so to speak or do you see um the do you see this as even still a good time to get in? Like is it still low a time to buy low kind of because of what EVs will do to the market in the next 10 years? Um Yes. So if you can if you can get into something for it's MSRP or about MSRP. Yeah, I would I would probably do it. And even even a used one, you know, you look at like a used. Talk about an Evo or something like that. They're not going to make another one like that ever again. Evo mm-hmm. eight, nine, ten, you know, whatever was legal in the U.S. Manual transmission. If you can find an unadulterated one, grab it. Because it's always going to be worth what you paid for it. Same with STIs; they still make them, so it doesn't really count. But you know, stuff like that. You know, Evos. Um, you know, M3s of the naturally aspirated era. Your E46s, your E92s. Some E36s, like the lightweight, will mm. definitely hold yeah, well, and go up. That's an ultra special, yes. Yeah, right. Like about like Caymans and stuff, like your kind of average ordinary sports cars that are shockingly I would buy, expensive right now. I would buy them now because they're actually not that expensive, especially if you if you if you're looking at a like 2000 
twelve to like a nine call a nine eight uh nine eight yeah, one I Cayman. For, yeah, I forgot the, the So that's that's like the twenty thirteen to fifteen or sixteen. Right, yeah. With the naturally the aspirated gen. engine. The second gen. The one that still had natural aspiration before they switched to the, the six cylinder or, or the the four the cylinder turbo. turbo. Four, yeah. Yeah, the seven before they made it a seven eighteen. Those are not that expensive and they're the same price now as they were during and before the pandemic for a used one That's buy one yeah so like the the gts's the ones that everybody wants mm. the 3.4 liter they're like 340 horsepower or something like that those are still 65 to 80 grand that's okay. what they were before the pandemic that's what they are now go grab one can't beat them okay so what you're saying yeah is stuff it's like still, that still a decent idea to buy now even mm-hmm. though the market is kind of crazy by yeah. now. That's what I was thinking as well, because even though the market... For those kind of, kind of cars. Yeah. Not, yeah, don't, if, not you're, if you're looking at a new I. car or something that's fairly common and it's going for crazy money, don't don't buy it. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right, Scott. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I've kept you long enough. Um, I think we've Thanks for having me. run the gamut of uh, yeah. the automotive industry at the moment. And... Um, I will talk to you soon.